welcome to Dragon Heart. I am Trey Long. I'm joined by my brother Bill Long and Mark Griffiths. How are you both? Yeah, of course. I was like considered to be your brother spiritually, Jay. I'm disappointed. Yeah, we're <laughs> all part of the Callan family. <laughs> You're my Callan cousin. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Bill? Uh, well, I overtook a bus in a driving test that I did earlier and much like the movement of several uh, Chester defenders it failed miserably and I am here today so nice one. <laughs> you failed well, your driving test today? Yeah yeah oh. yeah oh well <laughs> that's life bringing that bringing the the dragon heart make it sad and heart instead shall I uh... <laughs> there's always next season well Running on that theme of disappointing results, we're going to be talking about the main head game oh. uh, and the red, <laughs> the red cards that we've had this season. We're going to be talking about a few of the ins and outs at the end of January, and maybe a quick look around, look over the whole of the January wi window. Uh, we've got favourite signings that Mark's been talking to a few people from Twitter, um, the Luke Young contract extension, and we're going to have a little bit of time to look at Torquay at the end of it. This is Dragonheart. I'm Liam McClendon and this is Dragonheart. Well, Maidenhead, it was a great effort by the 10 lads who were on the pitch. Uh, it, was, it was a great performance. We should have scored more goals, to be fair, but we're going to be looking back at that at the end of the season. If we miss out... <laughs> the league title by three or four points when we look at the two Maidenhead games thinking that we definitely should have done better, shouldn't we, Mark? Yeah, we got one point out of six from a team that's one place above the relegation spots, but uh, I mean, we got a player sent off in both and played very well with the 10 men. I, I, I've got to be honest, I didn't feel too down after the match. Uh because I was really pleased of how we played. I mean, if we'd had 11 men, I think we'd have battered them, in all honesty. And if we keep playing to those levels, we will be getting a lot more points by the end of the season. So I do agree. We dropped two points there, um, unnecessarily perhaps. But I, don't know, I, I feel like, I don't know, Bill, I, I, I want to take the positive of a good performance, even if we have dropped two points. I think it's one of those. So I, I didn't manage to actually get to the game on on a Saturday, first one for a while that I've not made. Um, and it was so frustrating seeing the result. I checked it about the 90th minute, coincidentally, just looking at my phone, thinking, "Oh, great stuff! We've managed to to see this one out." And then you look again a couple of minutes later, and it's 92nd minute. It must have been heart wrenching when you were actually in the in the ground. Yeah, it, it was a tough one to take. Uh, I think when you're on commentary. You don't feel the emotions as much, um, I think, because you, you're focused on describing the game and what's actually going on on the pitch. I don't, I, I don't know if Mark agrees. I don't really think you feel the highs and the lows as much as you do as a fan. Hundred percent. I've always felt that. Um, sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. I guess last Saturday is an example of when I like it because to to play like that and to be as brave as that against the side who, to be honest, weren't very pleasant and therefore he sort of wanted to see us beat them and then let a goal in like that. I think if I'd just been watching the game, I'd have been utterly gutted. But like you say, you have the thought, yeah, you've got a job to do. You've done that maybe takes that emotion away. The downside of it is sometimes when we play really well, you're maybe not quite as emotional as you, you would be if you were in the crowds because you're, again, trying to describe it. So I guess it's... It was with one hand takes away with the other. Yeah, and it, it was one of them really because I was so so pleased the way we were playing and notable another notable performance from uh, the Red Baron Aaron Hayden. He, he was a colossus at the back yet again, wasn't he, Mark? Oh, he was massive, wasn't he? I mean, uh, to be fair, across the whole team, I mean, to lose a player that early uh, was is a huge huge blow, obviously. Yeah. And we we spent about ten minutes. Sort of settling into it a bit, but Maidenhead weren't troubling us, and then we we started to take control of midfield with a man down, and it was just 
oh, I was hugely impressed by the way we played. And I can say Hayden was terrific when he had to be. Toza was, Cleworth was. The defence did well. But to be fair, they didn't um, they didn't have a huge amount to do, you know, because the all-round performance was terrific, I thought. Yeah, and they had some dangerous strikers as well. Um, who was the really fast one? What was his name again? Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, he, mm. he, he looked really tricky, hard to deal with. He had pace. That both both sets all three defenders had to be alert with him because just mm. from his sheer pace, and uh, yeah, the defense did fantastic. The midfield really couldn't have asked much more of Luke Young. He was excellent, wasn't he? He was terrific, wasn't he? He was our unanimous call for man of the match in a, a game where you know every single player took credit. Um, yeah. He was just absolutely everywhere, covering every blade of grass, driving play forwards, bringing the wide players in. We did that quite well, I thought, actually, as well. You know, when we played against Notts County, the, the area we were deficient was out wide. But in this game, with 10 men from early on, uh, we, we weren't, I didn't think. I thought that the two wide players got very involved. And part of it was because the midfield got the ball out quickly to them. And, and yeah, it was a smashing all-round performance for me. Yeah, and- Resol Johnson had a few mad moments in the first half where he sort of just hoofed it recklessly. He's got that in him sometimes. But the second half, he'd come out like a the Resol Johnson we we normally see week in week out. And uh, yeah, and another another notable performance. I think would be a shame not to talk about it, was Ollie Palmer. I thought he had an excellent game considering I think he's a better striker with someone next to him. And I think his hold up play was well was really good. His he's he's obviously a very intelligent striker. But it's just that key moment in the first four minutes with um, Paul Mullen, wasn't it? Well, exactly. That's, that really just set the tone for the whole game, didn't it? Yeah. Um, I thought that, obviously, the sending-off conditioned the game, but Palmer was terrific, especially in the second half. I mean, he was just phenomenal. And that's why he got a lot of good service in the first. And in the second, he was holding the ball up. He was finding space. Oh, he was, he was magnificent. And I was a little surprised that we took him off. He didn't visibly look to be tiring. and I totally see the sense of bringing Kwame on because he'll hold the ball up well. But actually, I mean, the five minutes before he came off, I thought that Palmer looks, was really giving them problems. And I can't help thinking a good rule of thumb is if the defenders are glad to see the back of him, don't take him off, to be honest. Mm. I mean, that's another question as well. We played the whole game of 10 men and we only used one sub. Should we maybe have been yeah. getting other players on the pitch just to you know, relieved the ones who've been putting such a shift in. No one deserved to go off because of their performance, but just fresh legs. Ought we to have yeah. done that, perhaps? Well, who did we have on the bench again? Um, was it French? French, Green, uh, Ponticelli, with the three unused outfield players. Yeah, so maybe with Liam McElindon not it not being in his natural position as left wing back, mm. maybe stick Cam Green on. Maybe he's a little bit better defensively. Or stick Tyler French on um, for maybe one of our midfielders and stick Max Clareworth in that holding role for the last 10 minutes. Maybe that's what something we could have done. But it's all hindsight at the end of the day, isn't it? And, at the end, and what really should have happened is we probably should have scored more goals. We, we had the chances, didn't we? Yeah, that's true. We let them off the hook because we didn't finish them off. And I think it's natural to have sympathy for the team when they play so well with 10 men. But yeah, we, we should have. That game should have been over by the time they got into a position late on where they're throwing everything at us. You look at Maidenhead, though, they, I don't think they're necessarily a bad side, to no. be fair. You, you, I think their position in the league table is. It, it, it doesn't. No, I wouldn't say flat. It, it, it makes them look a lot worse than they actually are. And if you look at their record against top eight sides, they, they've done really well this season in parts. Mm. And it, 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 it felt like they were always still in the game, didn't it? Yeah, they, they've got... <laughs> I mean, I could say recently, especially, they've beaten a lot of the title contenders. Yeah. I, I think their squad looks much better than their league position. They did have a lot of mid-season injuries. They also, around Christmas, had a few problems with covid and I don't think that's helped their continuity much, but their results are very odd. You look at them across the whole season, they have patches where they do well and then patches where they don't. I would say, though, that as you've said before, the bottom three are very poor this season. And, you know, I mean, Maidenhead might be the team just above them, but they're nine, ten points above them. 
yeah. there's a significant gap. Um, they're not in any danger of going down. So yeah, they're, they're a lower mid-table team. Maybe a slightly lower than they ought to be, but they, they got some nice players, like you say. Kelly was sharp, wasn't he? And yeah. Smile was a good player as well, wasn't he? Mm, yeah, yeah. Although yeah, the fans it, didn't like him. Yeah, and, and another thing I think they did well was they were really good at um, what's the what's the word? Careful now. That's PC. Um, <laughs> game they really, yeah, they were really good at game management. They referee wrangled. Like, yeah, and, and to be fair to them, they really didn't look scared and uh, against playing it playing in such a bigger um, such a big attendance. They looked proper up for it. To be fair to them, didn't they? And they, yeah, they they had let's say great game management, and a lot of it was a bit questionable. I think they they were trying they were goading the fans quite a lot, and you've got to be careful doing that. It was very unpleasant, was it? Donaldson's celebration, which he got booked for. He's run half the width of the pitch to have a go at the Wrexham fans rather than celebrate yeah. with his teammates. That's not nice. Smile was um, gesturing at some fans in the terrace as well. Uh, yeah, and, and I think you pointed out, didn't you? It felt to, or was it? Was it you? I can't remember, Jay, or, or someone after yeah. the match I was talking to that the, the, the warm down seemed quite provocatively in front of the Wrexham fans, and that chappy was shouting abuse for about two minutes from the director's yeah. box. Wow, um, he was you know, they, they were interacting with him, weren't they? They, they were sort of yeah. baiting him a little bit, a bit. I don't think he needed encouragement, having said that. <laughs> the, the problem is, though, there is some nutters who go to football games, uh, and if you're provoking these fans, you know, one day they might just run on the pitch and hit them. Yeah. We've seen yeah, it before yeah. in football. We've seen it with Jack Grealish. We've seen it with uh, against Birmingham City. No, I know that's a big derby and it's a different story, but you know that could happen. So you've got to be really careful provoking fans. Well, it, the thing the thing is, if that if that goal is 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 to make it a win instead, and you get someone who's been on on the booze all day and they decide to run on the pitch, all right, no one ever deserves to be hit doing their job. But if you've been provoking people, it does work both ways, doesn't it? You know, you, it's it's you wouldn't ever condone violence, but you kind of ask for asking for it, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, you're quite right. I mean, the, the bottom line is there is no justification for violence and, and any fan who does anything like that needs to be banned for life and needs to be in court for assault. Mm. But having said that, and I do emphasize that is the bottom line and the most important consideration. The truth of the matter is that it, if you are provocative to someone, they might react. And, you know, it seems to be like bottle throwing, coin throwing seems to be making a bit of a comeback in football across all levels. Now, we saw the incident with Everton, didn't we, with Dina getting hit by a bottle. Um, I mean, that celebration was really in front of the Everton fans more than it had to be. Uh, it's still despicable to throw a bottle at someone, uh, absolutely, and that person should be should be charged with an offence. But, yeah, so many fan players will, you know, enjoy goading the other side's fans. And I have some sympathy. I, I'm going to sound a bit like a hypocrite because... If you mouth off at a player, it always annoys me when fans start complaining about I mouthed off at a player <laughs> and then they responded. Well, yeah, okay, tough. But, you know, you can't dish it out. You've got to be able to take it. But I think, yeah, like you say, players have to be very, very careful. It's more than there's like an unfair balance, isn't there, between fans and players? Like, yeah. you know, if you went up to the st- someone in the street and you provoked them, there's a situation where it's 50 50, but fans will give players stick over nothing. So then if you give them a reason to give stick back, <laughs> I'm not saying it's correct because it's not correct that you're 100% right. It's not correct in the slightest. But when you're dealing with people who, who are in front of their mates, you might be showing off, who've been mm-hmm. drinking all day. They might be quite young lads or not even young lads. It could, it could I mean, there's plenty of uh, Wrexham fans over the years who've been middle-aged and upwards women who've, who've given out plenty of abuse. So just don't, just don't give fans an excuse to, to do it I, I have no problem with uh, away teams celebrating in front of Rex and fans that you know that's fine I have no problem but when there's a difference between that and the what happened to Maidenhead he the play player literally 
went out of his way to run right in front of the Rex and Lager stand and basically ran the whip of this whole stand, didn't he, to celebrate. Uh, that's just, you know, there's a little bit of difference in then difference between knee sliding in front of the home fans and everyone celebrating and then just completely provoking the fans. Yeah. And I don't condone violence, but just don't bring it on yourselves as well as professionals. I think like with a knee slide though, I think it depends. Oh God, it's going to sound like a lawyer here. Depends on the, the, the angle of approach of the knee slide. You know, <laughs> if you're just knee sliding with your mates and celebrating, you know, you know that thing footballers seem to be sort of magnetically attracted to corner flags when the goal goes in for some weird reason. If you just if that's just there, all right, fine. But if you're sliding at their other side's fans and making eye contact with them, I think that's that's overstepping a line for me. Are we going to start getting VAR drawing lines now on, on what we, the angle of approach is for a slide? Yeah, I think we should. Yeah, yeah. If there's any, if there's no. any, it's not just if there's any contact now, if there's eye contact. <laughs> so what, what's an appropriate knee slide and what's a non-appropriate knee slide, Mark? Well, there's got to be a clear and obvious knee slide, obviously. Um, well, I don't know. It's just... If you go in at the fans, I mean, I see Donlan's a, a, a very extreme example of it because I can see yeah. it genuinely sprint away from his teammates rather than be happy we have scored and enjoy that moment. He wanted to be angry at people instead, um, which doesn't say a lot for you, but he runs halfway across the pitch. Like I say, that's a very extreme sort of adabioring of the situation. Yeah. But I, I still would say that if you're sliding in or running up to the other side's fans, I still reckon that's provocative. But I do understand if you're getting... I mean, Donald had only just come on, so probably he's warming up and down in front of our Rex and the Rex and fans who are just shouting abuse at him, and he's getting more and more annoyed, I guess. So, I do, you know, I do understand people get annoyed. I just It's an um, emotional game as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I, I have no problem with players showing a bit of emotion. You know, look at post... Uh, post-match press conference and things and interviews of footballs. There's, a lot of them are just like robots this day and age, aren't they? Yeah. So I, I, I don't mind them doing a, having a bit of expression as long as they behave appropriately and not push it too far and the fans behave appropriately. There's nothing wrong with a bit of banter at the football, I don't think, as long as it's appropriate. Uh, but yeah, and that was probably the worst I've seen from an opposing player since... Uh, a kid in the Harriers game where their keep a kid man's keeper, uh, Andrew Batlett, was it? Yeah. Uh, turned around when Kidderminster scored and sort of give it the big un in front of the away end, and that got quite nasty. Uh, yeah, that was probably the worst I've seen since that. Well, our first year in the conference? Uh, or it might have been a couple of years after, but I'm not entirely sure. The one I'm thinking of was our first year in the conference. Adam Bartlett, yeah. I think, isn't it? Adam Bartlett, that's it. Um, and he got... Yeah, yeah. yeah, decent keeper as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I remember my best memory from that moment being in the away end. Well, it wasn't best because we'd lost and one of my best mates from uni was a, a, a kiddie fan, so it was a bit disappointing. But uh, <laughs> a guy on crutches, ab- completely abandoning his crutches, not like dropping him, but holding him in the air, going, ah, walking down the steps. <laughs> <laughs> completely raging. <laughs> I've not seen anything that funny at a football game since, I don't think, but shows what football does to people, doesn't it? <laughs> the man on crutches, was it Patrick Sufo? Uh, <laughs> that was his debut, wasn't it? But yeah, bless him. Yeah. I mean, they had so much ability, but he couldn't get around much. Now, I remember, I was it that he missed a really good chance or Bartlett made a really good save from him. But um, weirdly, I was actually... So, yeah. was, was there a penalty? I can't remember the result. Did we Did score Bartlett a penalty? save a penalty? I don't think so. Possibly. We lost 1-0. I remember Sufo had like a six... Yard, it, yeah. I think he missed it. He had like a six yards out chance. And he came on as a sub and he, he put it off target, I'm pretty sure. I don't think it was a penalty. But it was but the we, final we, whistle, wasn't it? He turned around yeah. and had a go. And we've weirdly, lost that many times at Agbra that it kind of like all melds into one, doesn't it? Yeah, that yeah. Yeah. Conference. I remember that one because weirdly I was invited to take part in an FA tribunal over it. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it didn't happen. Uh, thank goodness. I hadn't seen the incident, but afterwards I was talking to fans outside and a number of them told me that he'd spat at them. 
and that had been reported to the FA. And I think I mentioned it in the podcast. And I was then contacted and asked if I'd be able to, you know, if it came to a, an actual tribunal, if I'd be willing to testify that these people had told me that. And I said, yeah, all right, go on, why not? Uh, it'd be quite interesting, you know, get into Lancaster Gate, see if they have free food. Um, <laughs> but it didn't come to that in the end. He wasn't charged in the end. I mean, there's a pretty, yeah, those sort of ones are quite hard, I think, to prove often if there's no photographic evidence. But yeah, was- yeah. Happy days. That one was quite extreme, to be fair. Yeah. I, I'd never seen anything like that in my life. Um, and, the, you know, things like that, it is just goading the fans, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that maiden head one is probably the most extreme I've seen since that incident, to be fair. But, yeah, um, but let, let's talk now about the red card incident. Um, not many people had very good view of the tackle, did they, of the challenge. But I had a feeling because when we were on commentary, when we were waiting that long for the decision, that it was going to be a red card. He, he tackles like a ghost, doesn't he, Paul Mullen? Yeah. You can't, no matter where you are, you can't quite see what he did. Because <laughs> it was all done at yeah. the camera angles. just didn't help. I, 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 From where we were, I felt it looked like he's late and it looks like he's high and it looks quite hard. Yeah. But I still couldn't quite work out what had happened. But Smile at one point seems to be getting treated on like his lower rib cage. And that's not a good place to tackle somebody, is it? And Let's be honest. I, I've seen fan footage yeah. um, from a completely different angle. And it was, for me, clear and obvious red card. Yeah. Uh, if VAR was involved, be straight red, straight away. No ifs, yeah. no buts. I don't think the referee needs any stick over that. And I, I quite commend him, actually, yeah. for not giving a yellow card and showing the cojones to uh, just give a red card straight. You, you do find a lot, in, especially in the National League in particular, they shy away from giving out red cards from red card decisions early on in the game, don't they? Exactly. Yeah. I, so, I, I think well done for, for making that right decision bravely early in a match when lots of referees just checking out. It's a shame it's Mullen. But you, you can't, you know, you can only speak fairly, and it's, it is a red card challenge. I think, like I said, that I've seen that fan footage, and yeah, <laughs> usually I don't yeah. like it when you have like a sort of photo or something as evidence. But in that case, it kind of confirms it was the worst case scenario. He's he's taking him out very high, and yeah, it's yeah, that's absolutely right. I think the ref had a poor game, but I don't think that decision was part of that poor game. But it did condition the atmosphere as well, didn't it? Yeah, and the fans were really on his back. And I'm a really on Josh Smiles back, which I always find quite amusing when you hate a player because he allowed himself to get kicked in the chest. But um, but yeah, it, it, it did condition, I think, the atmosphere and maybe helped us a bit driving us on. Yeah. Because it was a hell of an atmosphere, wasn't it? A hell of a lot of noise from the Wrexham fans. The atmosphere was electric, to be fair. I think probably the best this season so far. The fans were absolutely up for it and they, they certainly did play their part. And mm let's just hope the fans carry on with this sort of very intimidating atmosphere because mm. I truly believe when the atmosphere is good, we usually perform a hell of a lot better with with very good energy. So, yeah. So, yeah, on the red cards front, we've had quite a few this season, haven't we, Mark? Oh, yeah. There's only been, hang on a sec, two seasons uh, in our history where we've had more red cards after 30 games, which is where we are now. So, yeah, we need to be a bit careful. In fact, it's already the 11th most red cards we've had in a season. And we're only well, just over halfway through. So it's a bit of a worry. The, the other thing is, and I haven't really checked this out, I should do, they, they all seem to be first-half ones. Well, four out of five have been first-half red cards. And obviously that's a big disadvantage, isn't it? I mean, David Jones wasn't. We were already winning in the second half. It was halfway through the second half, so fine. So we saw the game out. But then Mullins is the quickest red card the Wrexham players ever received. Uh, four minutes. The next is another feisty scout striker, Gary Bennett. Five minutes at Cardiff. That's when we're hoping Barry Hunter might be on uh, soon. He was sent off as well in that game. They both get sent off in the first 20 minutes or so. And Hunter was so horrified, he threw up on the pitch. Because we were down to nine men with like 70 minutes left. Um, And Harry Lennon was nine minutes. So we've only ever had... I mean, look, you've got to be careful here because 
you know, these stats are not necessarily 100% reliable. You're relying on an individual journalist at a game, what, he, what time he made it, if you see what I mean. But, yeah. you know, according to the stats that, that, that I have, you've got Mullen in after four minutes, you've got Lennon after nine. Uh, those, there's only four red cards Wrexham have picked up within the first 10 minutes. And two of them wow. were in the last month. <laughs> Great. Wow. <laughs> and then Bryce Hosanna's red cards went, oh, remember the terrible thing he did. Um, <laughs> that was in the first <laughs> half. And then, of course, Reese Hall Johnson was, was early on as yeah. well, wasn't it? So, And the McAlinden one was first half too, wasn't it? Of course, it? yeah, yeah. Hang on a yeah. second. How many have we had? <laughs> <laughs> we, we've, we've had a lot of red cards. And what do you think that's down to? Mark, do you think it's the feisty atmosphere getting players revved up a little bit more, or do you just think it's just chance that sort of thing? I want to say chance. There's different players. Lennon's unlucky, isn't he? I'm not saying it's McLean's unlucky because I don't think it's the Reds. Lennon's unlucky yeah. because it's just a. I think maybe the rules wrong, but the ref has to send him off. Um, why did I say Hall Johnson before he scored the goal? He wasn't sent off. That's why I got mixed up. Um, I think it's chance, but it's hurting. It could hurt us. Yeah, but especially Mullen's going to be out for another three games now, isn't mm, he? Yeah, or four. I, I, four, I, yeah. I, I, I need to find out here, but I want to find out quite on the quiet. If you get a second straight red, I thought you got an extra game. But it's. I'm not sure that that's actually happening. Could it be because Bryce Susanna technically was sent off the first time? That this is technically his first red card, but that that's ludicrous. That's not right. I, I heard somewhere that the Boreham Wood game counts, and that's potentially why it would only be three league games. So I don't know. Oh, if it's three league games, yeah, Boreham Wood definitely counts because Lennon yeah. was suspended for a FA Trophy game. Yeah. So yeah. you'd be <laughs> just to look at a slight silver line, and we'd have probably been looking to rest Mullin anyway in that game. I know we've been putting strong sides out in the trophy, but you'd think he'd be the one player, especially with his his um sort of injury situation going on. Um, it's not great, though, is it? I mean, that many red cards, going to start getting a reputation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Paul Mullen, you know, we paid a lot of money for him. He's missed quite a few games through red cards. So it, it'd be seven in total, won't it? If yeah, you yeah. That. That, that's yeah. a hell of a chunk of the season, yeah. um, no matter way, what, which way you look at it. So it, it needs to improve, doesn't it? And it breaks up his continuity because he's only got one goal in the last is it seven games. Also, to be fair, one of them only lasted four minutes. So he wants to, you know, he, he'll then have another three weeks without goals. So uh, I, I'm not, I haven't checked this and I don't think I'm going to because life's too short. But I feel like we get fewer yellows than usual as well. So there's, there's something odd going on here. <laughs> we get cards, but we don't get yellows. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. It's been a crazy season, isn't it? <laughs> For a lot of different reasons. But to wrap up my maidenhead thoughts now, I think, you know, it's a positive performance. It's such a shame we didn't get the three points. We signed Oli Palmer, now I feel karma, straight down the middle like Keir Starmer. He'll boss the panorama, league of the farmer. Oil money now, Ken goes Deadpool's a charmer. He loves pets, Michael Henny promised him a llama. We signed Oli Palmer, now I feel karma, straight down the middle like Keir Starmer. Defenders wear armor, cause he's gonna harm you. Bursting in the box, bringing bad karma. Goes high, goes low like Michelle Obama. Leaves you feeling sad like Greg without Palmer. We signed Oli Palmer, now I feel karma, straight down the middle like Keir Starmer. Got sci-fi moves like future Rama. Skills make you spit in your armor. When he's up doing weights, when I was still in his pajama. Makes Messi run away, cried to his mama. Played in Brazil for Vasco da Gama. We signed Wild Palmer, now I feel karma, straight down the middle like Keir Starmer. Guess it's five a day from Banana Rama. Let Navy Seals when they cause Osama. Stronger than the Hulk after a shot of Gama. When he's finished a view, you'll need an embalmer. We signed Oli Palmer, now I feel karma, straight down the middle like Keir Starmer. Well, last week we had a really, really exciting sign on deadline day, I think. Um, Tom O'Connor from Burton Albion. Um, to be fair, the Burton Albion fans seem devastated that he's left. He seems like a real player of real League One pedigree. Um, he's, I think he's made 18 appearances of five goals for Burton, and he was and he played for Southampton's academy. So he must be a player of really good pedigree. He's only 22. He's represented under 21s. Republic of Ireland as well. So, yeah, it seems like an outstanding signing for our level, doesn't it, Bill? Yeah, calibre-wise, you know, 
to be be able to attract a player of that sort of quality down to our levels, uh, it's almost unheard of, isn't it? Really, I know I know Stockport have been bringing good players in, and we've obviously done it ourselves this summer. But to carry on bringing the quality uh, window after window, you know, fair dues. And I did see I, I can't remember the source, but there was a stats website that collects EFL um, stats. Uh, apologies for not remembering, but they've done a stats-based eleven for the for the free EFL leagues, and Tom O'Connor was was uh, in the League One team, top eleven in centre midfield. So you know, that's something, isn't it, to be attracting a player who is not only on form but also from that two leagues higher, willing to come down young age, international. It's exciting, isn't it? I mean, I know people will be critical and say, oh, it's your money. Although, why, why shouldn't footballers try to get good money when their careers are short? But that's a different matter. Um, <clears throat> but as he says, as Mullen said, they're interested in the project. This is exciting what this club is doing. And it's an exciting thing to get involved with. And it's fantastic. We've got to keep that buzz going. But this is, yeah, on paper, absolutely fabulous signing. And, and I know our midfields come in for a lot of, should we say, scrutiny? This season, um, you know, some people have been extremely critical of them. I haven't been personally, really, but I I can see that there's very little depth in midfield. Well, now, well, if you play the same shape and Robinson, uh, O'Connor, not Rob, Tom Robinson, a completely different 70s celebrity to Tom O'Connor. Um, uh, if, we, if we are picking O'Connor as first choice, then one of Jordan Davis, Luke Young and James Jones makes way. And all those three players have got pedigree and certainly have been performing the season. So, so not only they've been performing this season. So, yeah. Not only they've been performing this season, though, Mark. I mean, I think they've actually come into their own since the start of January. Yeah. A few of the games, I, I, there was a, there's a couple of times where I wondered whether they were going to click as a midfield three, and they've actually seemed to have had their best games just before we bought someone. So that's encouraging in some ways, isn't it? Yeah. Shows that they're willing. They must have known that the, there was a midfielder being targeted, and they've stepped up. So that's positive as well. And I think as well, I think the balance of the team. I've said there's a lot shifted when they, when we put the two fast wing backs in. I think it took some of the strain off the sentiment in terms of being creative. Then Palmer comes in, and he's clearly a player who can create. It shifts a bit of that pressure off a of midfield. Um, which you know, I mean, you could argue's got a nice balance to it, but. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to look at now. Who who does make way? And maybe that's a stupid question to ask you both because we haven't really seen O'Connor play. But you know, I wonder which of the three is the most vulnerable. Oh, oh, that's a really tough question, isn't it? Because you can't really knock Jordan Davis yeah. because he's been excellent at times this season. Luke Young. For the last two seasons before this, it's probably been his worst season for the last three seasons. He's been pretty much impeccable last season and the season before that. And this has probably been his roughest start, but he's really started to come into his own. And James Jones has got fantastic work rate and does a lot off the ball that a lot of people don't really get, I don't think. And he's, he brings a lot of energy to the midfield. But I think if I was to drop any, I think it would probably be James Jones. Yes, yeah, tough one, that, isn't it? I think the automatic answer would be on on form. Luke Young stepped up, and Jordan Davis gives us a bit of an X factor. I, I must, you know, I must admit, I've, I've barely got enough time to watch watch Wrexham, so I'm not watching a lot of League One. I don't know what 100 what kind of qualities Tom O'Connor brings. So it, it, I guess it's more about balance. Maybe James Jones is, is the weak weakest in in, X, in speech marks of the three at the moment, but. If he if Tom O'Connor does a lot of the stuff that Luke Young does, then you shift him out, don't you? It's it's a it's a good conundrum to have considering we've you know we were at one stage wondering if one of those three got injured, what on earth was going to happen? Mm. Yeah, it's nice to have that level of depth, isn't it? And Clabot's been used in midfield a bit as well, and and has shown something there, so that's good too. Uh, I, I I sort of assume that O'Connor's maybe a little deeper in midfield and. That might allow Luke Young to be going back to more the role he did for Keats because mm, he was yeah. he was higher at the pitch last season, wasn't he? Und- undoubtedly, 
Um, I, I never fully understood the criticism he was getting at the start of the season. I've got to be honest, I, I didn't think uh, his performances certainly hadn't dipped enough to, for people to be calling him out like like they were. And certainly now, I think he's at some very good levels. And I, and I feel sympathetic with you. Jones has been the most erratic, I think, in terms of performance. But I like him. Like you say, he's, he's a proper workhorse and he reads the game well. Um so yeah, I think we got we appear to have four very good midfielders and three slots for them, which is as long as you can keep them all happy, is a, is a very healthy situation. I think what it does do actually is is Parkinson's not afraid to rotate. So when we when we're coming up, especially if we carry on going through in the trophy, when we've got those Saturday Tuesday uh, schedule coming in thick and fast, maybe it's not so much looking at dropping one of them. It's more about who's going to be the first rotated out. Mm. Um, and, and take it from there, really. Yeah. The, the Young and Jones have some similar qualities, don't they? Mm. I think, to be fair, Davis uh, also, although, you know, it's nice to look at Davis and, and look at his attacking ability. But actually, uh, you know, when we haven't got the ball, I, I think he's similar in the sense that he also puts in a very good shift. So, yeah, yeah, there could be scope there, couldn't there, for just moving things around, but keeping the, the basic ideas of play the same. And it it's really exciting. And um, I think if you look at our Jan transfer as a whole and our August transfer and, and the summer transfers that we brought in, um, we've brought in McFadze, who's League One calibre. We've brought Ollie Palmer, League One calibre. Mullin, League One calibre. Toza, League One. Um, we've brought in a lot of players of really, real high calibre now. So for me, the minimum is the playoff final. I think it always was. If I'm honest, yeah, I think, yeah, it should be as well. You know, we spent enough money on it. We we need to expect results, don't we? I, yeah, and I, 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 I know it sounds very arrogant of me, but anything less than that, that, that's very, very poor. In my personal opinion, I wouldn't personally. I would not settle for anything less than the playoff final. What do you think? You feel? Do you feel a bit weird saying that though, Che? Is it like after years uh, of, of having to feel like, oh yeah, but there's this and this, and actually, you know, finishing ninth isn't too bad because of X, mm. Y, and Z? Do you feel a bit weird saying, yeah, we should be? I feel a bit there. weird, weird saying it in some regards, but I think people were saying that about Keita's side last season, where really I think where we finished last season was actually pretty okay with the budget and what we had and what he brought in. Um, but now we've actually splashed the cash and we've got players. Of, real, real calibre and pedigree. And for me, yeah, uh, the playoff final is the minimum of what we should be aiming for, nothing less. The, the owners are obviously committed and in it for the long haul, but they didn't put all this money in so we can not challenge for promotion, did they? Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and we if you look at all our players this season, they are of a, a real, real high quality and come from real, real pedigree. So it's not like we've signed a few good National League North players and it's just seemed to have clicked. We've really, really chucked money at this and it, it's it's a project. Yeah, and it, it's, it's going to be a long-term project. But however, if you're chucking money at it now, you need to be, you just need to get promoted. It's simple as that. It, it's, it's embarrassing if you don't in some regards, even though, you know, with, with all due respect, I know I sound quite arrogant this time. We, there's some very good teams above us in the league table at the moment who have also splashed the cash. You'll be thinking the same. Yeah. Other people are always the problem, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's, what's your ideals? So we say we, we get up to the, the playoff final or we just get to the playoffs and we don't quite make it. What's your ideal scenario for you two? Who, which two teams do you want to go up if it's not us? Oh, Bamford because they spend a lot of money. Uh, and Chesterfield, because I think they've got a really good side this season. Yeah, I guess you want to clear the way in terms of opposition, but... No, I want to. I want to go. I want to play the the patented Che Long arrogance cards, and say I just don't even want to consider those possibilities. I want us to win. <laughs> I want everyone to be thinking, "Ooh, let's hope Wrexham go up, so we don't have to deal with them next season." That's you can that's, that's tell be right. driving test today, can't you? I'm just all doom and gloom. Just oh. <laughs> what's what's your oh thoughts God. then, Bill? What's your I think, thoughts? I think I think you're I think you're right. You know, 
you want you want Stockport and Chesterfield to go up. Um, I do think if Chesterfield don't go up, they might be in trouble. Uh, but then they also have uh, Shimanga there, who they could sell maybe to offset anything. Um, I think it, you you've got to want Stockport to go up though. That's the team that of 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 all the other teams, you've got to want them to go up. If we don't, um, saying that, I don't actually think the title's that far away from us. I really don't. I think we're 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 a good run away from from giving a good push, and you know, st- <sighs> gotta be careful how I say this because I know I know these kind of things can come to bite you. But Starport have hit a run of form now. And inevitably, most of the time, apart from like in our 98-point season when we came across Fleetwood, teams do run out a little bit of steam after, say, a, a two- to three-month period. Mm. If they start running out of steam at the wrong time for them, they're catchable. So although we, we saw it, like referencing that 98-point season, we saw it then, that game against Telford, on Boxing Day, I was convinced we were going up. I don't. I could just could not see anyone was better than us. But we just Oben goes, a couple of other players go, and and you you run out of it. So I think you know we we got to look for our our real good patch of form in March, April, and hope that's what takes us over the line. Really, I certainly think looking at the table, the important thing isn't that we're five points be off top. The important thing is we are right up there because yeah. it now almost becomes a mini league, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, the top six or seven are all virtually within reach of each other. And if one team hits that patch of form you're talking about now, they, they go up and it, it could easily be us. And in fact, we've already been in that form. We've got to just make sure it doesn't tail away. But you'd like to think bringing in a couple of quality players in January should keep mm. the standards high. I think we, we need... Sorry, Jake, go on. No, you go, you go, you go. I was just saying there's... there's, there's... There's form, isn't it? There's winning form, and and then there's like blowing teams away. Mm. I think you know you can you can co- we we did it a little bit last year. We coasted at times and um, um picked up results, but I, I would like to see a step up a gear in terms of the the quality of the performances in results terms. You know, there's Grim, the Grimsby game. We should have won that free, by three or four. You know, if, it, if things had gone to plan. So sorry, Jay, go on. Well, I just think we dropped some very silly points this season. Mm. Wheelston at home. Um, Maiden at home, Maiden at away, Torquay at home. Uh, you know, if we if we won those games, which we should have done, we would have been up there with Stockport, if not first at the moment, which is which is a crying shame. And we need another big result. We we've we have had Halifax, we've had the Halifax away win, which is excellent, but we've got the twenty second of February, which is going to be a huge huge game for Wrexham, Chesterfield away. And I think we do need that big, big marquee result where we go to one of these bigger sides and really put them to the sword. Well, let's hope that Paul Mullen does have a three-game ban because that would be his fourth game. Yeah. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, Paul Mullen being off is a bad thing, but we've also got some great strikers who can come in and replace him. I think Ponticelli's been excellent this season and uh, surely he would be the natural replacement for uh, Mullen with Mullen being off. Do you think we should have brought another striker in? Because we have got a lot of strikers, haven't we? Um, no, I think we've got a good. I think we've got differing types of strikers. We've got Kwame and Ali Palmer, who you target men. We've got Ponticelli, who's a workhorse. Uh, we've got Mullen, who's just an amazing striker. And we also have Dior Angus, who has a lot of pace and finishing. So, yeah, I think we've got enough different types of strikers to get us through this period. It's just such a shame that Mullins had a red card. Maybe they've tied Dior down, knowing that he might link up quite well with with um, with Palmer and Kwame now that they're coming back. And he's not played a lot, but, um, you know, Ponticelli, I, I really rate him. He's done well this year, but does does he do him and Oli Palmer get goals or does someone who's fast who can run off the end of, of things that are being knocked down um, yeah, I think you know, you know, talking like in in the monopoly money terms that we do a little bit these days with Wrexham, which is still kind of strange. Uh, another striker wouldn't have hurt, but like Chase says, I think does, is there enough there? Yeah, I think there's enough there, isn't there? Just about. I think so. I think so. And remember, there is another uh, signing 
imminent, which is Will Ferrell signing for the media team. <laughs> we look forward to welcoming him to our commentary, of course. He says he's going to come to a Wrexham game in February. Nobody's confirmed this at all. I don't think anybody at the club had the slightest idea he was going to say this, and heaven knows if he meant it. But if he does come, well, it's only one place for him to go. He's got to join the Wrexham player commentary team, isn't he? Surely. Oh, yeah. 100%. No, no ifs, no buts. You I think I, I would... I was just say, I'd very gracefully give up my halftime show appearance for uh, Will Ferrell if he decided he wanted to come and <laughs> join us. Oh, I, I think you two should share it, surely. <laughs> Will and Bill. <laughs> halftime show with Will and Bill. <laughs> Put a ring to it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we, we've made some really impressive signings. Uh, it's now time fun to click and we need to get on a good run of games we've, we've been on a good run of form but as I said I'd like to see us putting teams to the sword and um, let's hope that's the case very soon and we've had some other January business we've had Jake Bickerstaff and Cameron Green go out on loan what's your thoughts first Bill on Cameron Green going out on loan I think it's clever if he's not going to play, go and let him get game time. I think he's got enough about him that he could still be useful for us in the future, uh, especially really if we don't go up. Um, I think, you know, he, he's very, very quick for this league. Let him go and uh, maybe get that experience. And uh, St Albans, uh, no, Conference North or Conference South, I can't remember. I want to say South, although, yeah, I mean, it's in the South, isn't it? But of course, the lines it's, it's, between it, North and South weird, are not they? Yeah. Um, so yeah, why not? Why I think it's a good idea. It's a good idea for him because if it doesn't work out for us, he's not just sitting on the bench for the next uh, three or four months as well, is he? So good luck to him. He, he, he's, I think he's got a lot of quality there. I think the three of us are probably quite in agreement of of rating him. So hopefully he can go and get a bit of experience. I mean, his contract's up in the summer, and often pulling a player out in this situation is goodbye. And um, certainly, I think it is with Devante Redmond. But having said that, um, he's he's got a, a an, an option to extend for another year. So I'd I'd love to think because I, I rate him. I'd love to think that he can go out, get regular game time, make an impression, and then come back and trigger the extension uh, and make an impact for us next year in League Two. I, I, I there's a little part of me thinks. Who have we got left wing back now? We've got Bryce Susanna, who is injured. We've got Liam McAlinden, who's not a specialist. We've got McFadzine, who may have been brought in more to cover Lennon, and who is currently injured. So, as we've talked about having a bit more depth in midfield, but I'm slightly edgy about left wing back, if I'm honest, whether Green should have stayed. But then I guess that's the gambles managers have to take, don't they? Because it's doing Green no good not playing, so he's had to make a call. Is, is yeah. it better for him to go and get a bit of game time and then if we've got, hopefully, the idea that we've got a recall option, it's better him having a couple of... No such no. recall options anymore. Isn't there? No, no. Oh, well, I, I mean, manager then. because we're window to window, we couldn't. Uh, right. And it used okay. to be, when you had like the 90-day loans, you know, if they expired before the playoffs... Players could move then, but they've now changed the rules so that, that right. uh, and correctly, I think, so that the season includes the playoffs. So you can't yeah. bring a bloke back just for the playoffs because his loans expired at the end of the season. So no, no. Oh, well, there, there you go. Then maybe I'm maybe I'm going to start panicking like you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> not panicking. I'm not like you during your driving test. <laughs> that was a real panic. Chest <laughs> defender level panic. But yeah, uh, I think it's a shame of Cameron Green. I think when I think the Oval game when Bryce Rosanna came off injured and we brought McAlinden on, I then knew, uh, well, I think Cameron Green's probably going to be going out either on loan or a club's gone in to buy him because I rate him quite highly, but maybe Parkinson doesn't um, fancy him. Maybe it's something he sees on the training ground that we don't see. Uh, but yeah, I think him going out on loan is with his age. I think he's got good quality. I think he just needs regular game time. And can we promise promise him that at this moment in time? We can't, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, 
but let's hope he smashed it up at St. Albans and really proves his worth. And maybe, yeah, as we said, next season comes in and um, tries to fight for that first left wing back position, third number one position, but good luck to him. And we also had Jake Bickerstaff go out on loan. Um, I've forgotten who to off the top of my head, Nantwich. but that Nantwich, yeah, and I think that's obviously the correct decision, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, see, we've got a lot of depth and attack, and Jake's a good lad, and I'm getting him, you know, he scored a lot of goals in the Welsh League last season for Carnarvon, and now he's got a chance maybe to show what he can do the league below us. So, yeah, I, I, I like that idea of that, to be honest with you. Yeah, it, it's a no-brainer. So, yeah, after this, Mark's had some interaction with some fans on Twitter about their favourite Wrexham AFC signings. From the heart of your community, Wrexham's heartbeat. This is Calon FM. Well, favourite signings of all time. Um, Mark's been Mark's put that question on Twitter. It's had some good responses, Mark. What what have you come across so far? Yeah, nice responses. It, it, it depends as well, doesn't it? Are you going to just look at your experience or try and take a wider view? A Jeff Lang, for example, saying. He feels personally you've got to go back and look at the Neil and Griffiths transfers in the 70s and 80s. And, yeah, I mean, th- there's been some good points made from that era. Uh, for example, well, let's have a look. Where is it? Uh-huh. Here we are. Graham Maloney said, Dixon McNeil and Di Davis in 1977, a double swoop, and ensured our promotion that season. And then there was a... There was a comment on that uh, from John Hughes saying, there is a right answer and this is it. Well, he did say half a vote for the brief meteor that was Juan Ugarte, Hartlepool away 2005. Oh, John, you're a poet. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, McNeil and Davis being brought in at the start of that promotion season, just after the season had begun, was, uh, was crucial, really. Uh, Jez Davis also says Dixie McNeil. So, yeah, I mean, there's an obvious starter. Just the 70s, there was a few 70s players. You got to Chinton was brought in for not very much. Um, but, yeah, those two had a big impact on our promotion season. Dixie McNeil's an absolute legend, so it's, yeah. an absolute, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> uh, MD, who's also known on Twitter as Red Bungle, which I'd like the sound of, um, always liked communist teddy bears on kids' shows. Says Andy Marius, he was head and shoulders above everyone else for me when we signed him. Just controlled the defence, great organisation, class act. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. It was, it was nice having a current Welsh goalkeeper coming through for us. Um, other players, more recent. Well, well I say more recent. Um, there's been a lot of love for some of the Brian Flynn era players. Uh, so, for example... Um, Andy Pierce says, when you think where they came from at the time and the return they gave on the pitch, Carl Connolly, remember he was taken from a Sunday league team. That's, that's a fair signing. Lee Trundle, he was taken from Rill. Andy Morrell, who again was playing at a much lower level. And Carlos Edwards. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And then Andy goes on. Carl ticks all the boxes, nine years with the club. Over 350 games, 88 goals. Not bad for the Sunday League footballer. Um, That that kicks off quite an entertaining little chat, actually. Um, Because, where are we? Uh, Lee Trundle said thank you very much for that. Someone else said, what a a five-a-sides team that would be. Morrell, Trundle, Connolly, Edwards... Uh, we'd have to put Lainton or uh, Marius in goal. Uh, trying to find a person who said that. And um, that basically drew a bit of love from all of those players. So wow. um, <laughs> we had all all of them debating Lee Trundle asking Andy Morrell, who would do the, the saying to Morrell, you'd have to do the running in that team because you've still got, you and Carlos have still got the legs. And, They're all uh, welcome to come on Dragon Heart soon. I know we've had Carlos recently. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let, let's get them all dragging out as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
another one, Neil Hayes, saying two from the early 90s were spring to mind, and Carl Connolly from a Sunday league team, and Gary Bennett, who I think got a very mixed reception on his debut. I had us crying when he left. Both cost nothing, but were unbelievable buys. And yeah, I always remember having an argument with a fan when Bennett was banging all the goals in. I said, oh, he must be the best signing that we've made for decades. And he was adamant he's not a signing because he came on a free. As a my money, <laughs> that makes him a better signing because we didn't even pay for the bloke. But there yeah. was genuine hatred towards him, you know, not only because he was a Chester icon, but because the reason he was a Chester icon was because of, uh, well, he was a bit on the feisty side, should we say. I remember him a couple of years earlier. Uh, oh, heck, this is a tragic tale. We, we, we drew Chester at home in the which cup we definitely drew them in the um, the LDV whatever it was called then and also the FA Cup so we played them twice at home in cup ties over the space of about four weeks and they won them both Bennett scored goal at the cop and was celebrating in front of the cop and people didn't like him and then the real reason why he was called Psycho was there was a, a league cup tie Chester away to Sheffield Wednesday and he badly broke uh, Sheffield Wednesday centre back's leg. It was shown on TV. Uh, Alan Knight, or no, he's Portsmouth keeper, something Knight, I think. And he was seen as a prospect and you know potential sort of international of the future. And it was a really bad break and basically finished him. And so that gave him a sort of bad reputation nationwide. So when we brought him in, and he didn't score a huge amount for Chester, so on paper it didn't look that amazing assignment. Oh, there was a lot of anger. But once he started banging the goals in, funnily enough, everyone forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Should we mix in a couple of your calls, chaps? Who are you thinking of? Yeah, I'll I'll go for mine first. Um, I've gone for more someone who's been a great servant for the club in arguably some of the worst teams we've ever had. Uh, bang for buck as well. Um, always a seven out of ten. I've gone for Mark Carrington. Uh, come on, come on the free. Uh, he's been in some poor Wrexham side. He's been in some okay ones. He's got the he had the goal against Stoke. He played any position you asked him to. Um, he was he was excellent last season, in my opinion, playing right sided centre back. Mm. Uh, he can play centre midfield, right back. Uh, yeah, real utility player and a man who really loved the club as well. And I think was really unfortunate not to get a contract at the end of last season, to be fair. I think he would have been a great asset to this squad as a, a more experienced player who can play in any sort of role you ask him to. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Mark Harrington. That's a good call, Aris. Keep your powder dry, Bill. We'll go through a couple more of these and we'll hear your call. <laughs> um, here we go. Now, I, I should have predicted this, I think. Uh, John Davis, it'll always be Paul Leslie Rutherford for me, simply as he's my favourite ever player. The club's official Twitter didn't even announce it. Only on the old Wrexham player HD and Rich at the leader. I mean, I've got to say, I mean, Rutherford, you could never ask for a more eager servant than him, could you? I mean, his work rate, his professionalism, magnificent. Rural Detective says the Trinidad era, particularly Edwards and Lawrence, they both had class yeah. and brought flair, but Connolly has to be the best ever. Um. Pete, now here's a good call. Pete Blakemore. In my time watching Wrexham, Scott Green for the effect he had on our last promotion season. He was a missing piece in the jigsaw. So yeah, he came in in midfield, brought a lot of experience. And we've done well with Paul Barrett and Steve Thomas in midfield alongside Ferguson and Whitley. But bringing in that third experienced player really brought us an element of control that pushed us on to promotion, I would say. At least because he scored two against Hartlepool, who at the time were top, I think, if I remember correctly. We beat them 2-0 and he scored both. Tim Lewis, in my lifetime, Carlos Edwards, without a doubt, would have proved to be a quality Premier League player if injuries didn't get in the way. And now he is a beauty. Now then, you will not expect this one. Jago Reed-Jones, I take my hat off to you. Going to be weird and say Jaskalainen as goalkeeper coach. As an incredible find and great value for money, Rickett said he pretty much worked for free. We came out of that season with the best keeper lineup in the league and could well be in the sixth tier now, right now if we hadn't. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a bit of a call, that, isn't it? Background yeah. backroom staff and, 
have such a big influence, can't they? Yeah, of course. Tim Lewis says, as again, he said, he said, P.S., it could be Aaron Hayden if we talk about it again in five years. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah the, Red Baron, the Red Baron himself. Yay. Beardy, we found a few gems over the years in my lifetime. I think you'd be hard-pressed to beat Lee Trundle. Magic with the ball and scored goals constantly. i got to say, Trundle's initial impact was terrifying. Oh, here's that comment about the five-a-side team. Russell Richards, imagine those players we talked about before in a four in a five-a-side team. Do you add Marriott or Lainton? So that's Russell Richards said that. Chaz, I assume sarcastically, just put a link to Mike Fondop's Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Geraint Rogers puts Trundle and Darren Ferguson. Uh, and then Joe Liardet. I hope I've said your name correctly, Joe. I have to put Juan Ugarte up there. Administration, 10-point deduction, relegation dogfight, a small squad low on confidence and depleted by injury. No money for new signings, but Dennis Smith goes and finds a guy at Dorchester Town who scored 16 and 30 and nearly kept us up. Well, in all competitions, more than that. Graham Maloney, Dixon McNeil and Di Davis in 77. Double swoop that ensured our promotion. And finally, another really smart call from our previous promotion, not 2003, the one before that, Mike Lake played a pivotal part in a 93 promotion season. Shame injuries curtailed his career. Uh, yeah, um, that is a brilliant call. That Mike Lake was superb for us in that promotion season. Gareth Owen talks about how he improved his game from playing alongside him. And then the bizarre thing that happened was he was on loan from Sheffield United. We were desperate to buy him, but we didn't have the money. We brought in Jimmy Case, who was at the end of a brilliant career uh, as cover for him. Lake went back to Sheffield United. We went to Bury. Jimmy Case played instead of him. We were awful. Case was anonymous. We got battered 3-1. And somehow we found the money from down the back of the sofa. And the next match, Lake was back in permanently and we got promoted. Real classy midfielder. I always the thing that's so, I'm always striking me about him. Well, I guess this, don't you, with players from a higher level. Um, he was always happy to receive the ball under pressure. Didn't bother him. He was very calm. He's got a man on him. That's all right. Give me it. He'll just and he protected the ball so well. He just used his body so well. He just couldn't get the ball off him. And he's he'd happily take the ball down a cul-de-sac and uh, you know and receive it. Draws players to him and then pop it off. Just a bit of quality in class. A lovely player, Paul um, Mike Lake. So go on, Bill. Have you got a choice? Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of the players that have been mentioned, you know, especially the Trinidadians. Like I saw them play, but I wouldn't want to say that they were my favourite signings just because I maybe wasn't quite as involved at the time at watching Wrexham, or I wasn't around when they were signed. So I'm going for Dean Keats, who for a very long period embodied what we were all about. Uh, I know it ended a little bit sour for some people, but it's easy to forget that he actually convinced all the Wrexham players to sign up and become WST members at a time when we were trying to have a bit of a membership drive. And, you know, and for, for your team's captain to try and link up with the fans that way, you know, fair play to him. And he, he did a, an amazing job for us as a player. Who can forget when he, he had his, his arm tied up in his shirt coming on and, and showing everybody who the boss was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Dean Keats, probably my favourite player in the conference era and, and what... What, what, what I do to have a player like that in our team right now, honestly. Hopefully Tom O'Connor can come in and be the, the new Dean Keats. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of sympathy. For names that came quickly into my head, Bennett, Lake and Green really made impacts. And Lake and Green maybe were shortish impacts, but they were crucial impacts in promotion seasons. Um, I, I can't help think, I, I liked this from very early on, my first season watching Wrexham, we lost Mickey Thomas, that's a hell of a loss. But we brought in David Giles from Swansea, and he was a similar type of energetic, scurrying midfielder. And he was really very good for us. So I, I was at a soft spot for him. It's tricky, isn't it? There's so many good players. You could, I suppose, any player who's been great for Wrexham that wasn't homegrown, I guess you can say it's him. But yeah, um, I maybe I'd go, yeah, maybe I'd go, uh. 
I don't know who I'm going for. Jay Harris was an interesting yeah. call, wasn't he? he? He just served a ban for betting on, on matches. He had no club. And it was quite yeah. a smart piece of business to, to bring him in by Dean Saunders, have a look at him in one friendly, and then say, you'll do for me because we've got to have a lot of service out of him. Maybe I'll go for him. Yeah, previously of Chester as well, wasn't he? At that point, wasn't that was it Chester or Shrewsbury that were his club previous to the the ban? It was Accrington he got the ban at, wasn't he? But Is did he Chester play for Accrington? I'm not sure. No, he was definitely Accrington when when he got the ban. I'm just wondering, yeah. did he play for Chester at some point as well? Which obviously never. I don't. Or, I think, or I think it, of Ashton. I think it was just coming off his ban, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, I think. The bold move, anyway, to bring him in. Yeah, got a cracking player as well. Anyone got any other honourable mentions? I'll, I'll go for one. Nat Knight, Percival. Mm. Um, we signed for quite cheap from Histon, wasn't it? And he was a cut above the rest, wasn't he, as a centre-half? That, he's my other honourable mention. Danny Sonner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, one, that one game that Danny Sonner played looked like he was going to save us from relegation. And if I think if he'd have been fit for the rest of the season, we probably would have stayed up. Yeah, class act he was. Got another honourable mention, Mark? No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and good night. <laughs> I'm Aaron Hayden, and this is Dragon Hearts. Well, Luke Young, it's been announced that Luke Young has signed a contract extension. Complete no-brainer in my in my head. Uh, captain, excellent footballer at this level, and I, I think he'd easily do a job at League Two. So yeah, no-brainer, isn't it, Bell? Yeah, and I think he deserves a shot at League Two. So let's go and get promotion for him. I like that. He, um, I really like the interview he did when it was announced as well. He talks very well about how. It was a motivation for him to get those 20 games in because he wants to stay and he loves the club and his family love it here. Echoes of Sean Pearson. I really like that. And, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a superb servant. If you read Colin Henry's write-up of him as well, but on the website, club website, on announcing his extension, it really it puts it nicely into focus. He's been with us three and a half years. He's been player of the season twice, top scorer once, scorer of the season twice. You know, uh, th- this guy's stacking up the, the kudos at Wrexham, isn't he? Yeah, he's he really becoming one of the best players we've had in this conference era. He was Mr. Consistent the last two seasons. He, he, he was he was absolutely excellent last season. Um, so, yeah, really, really happy for him. I'm really, really happy the club have decided to extend his contract. Let's hope he can um, follow... Um, the likes of Eddie May, Gareth Davis, Tony Humes, and Brian Carey, and be the captain of a Wrexham promotion team. Yeah, let let's hope so. And I and I, I'd argue um, the promotion that gets us out of the conference will be probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, in Wrexham's club history as well, because it'll symbolise a lot of things. So yeah, let, let's hope he's the man lifting up the trophy at the end of the season. Absolutely. Anyways, the first game, his first game of his contract extension will be against Torquay. So uh, best of luck to everyone traveling down. It's a, it's a long old journey. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. So, yeah, thanks for every. That's the end of the show now. So thanks for everyone for listening. I've been Che Long. This has been Bill Long and Mark Griffiths. This has been Dragonheart. <laughs>